doing my thing, and, and I'm out of a rack. It's called a Smith machine, and I'm, I'm right here doing my thing. And, and, and right next to me is an empty Smith machine, and, and then next to that, uh, another one. And these two guys come in, and uh, let's put it up there real quick. Uh, just so you can see, this is not a commercial for them by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but these two guys come in, and they start, they start working out. And um, I'll explain in just a second. And they start, they start working out, and I, I notice, man, these guys are getting after it. Some of y'all may know who, who I'm talking about here by, based on this. They, they, they're getting after it. And I'm not sure their ages. Uh, one's close in age to me, I would think. Uh, the other one is definitely younger. And it's one of those things that I'm watching, and, and these guys are lifting some weight, especially one of them. And, and it's like, oh, my gosh, he's lifting some weight weight. Like the kind of stuff that happens in you know, high school and college uh, football workouts. Like, I mean, these are guys that, that are seriously lifting some, I mean, we're talking about squatting over 400 pounds. You know, that, that's stuff that happens in high school. That's stuff that happens, you know, in, in college and stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of weight, right? And I'm like, man, they just, everything they do, they just keep, they just keep adding and adding and adding. Well, they had a design on their shirts. And I couldn't make it out. Didn't know what it was. Trying not to stare too hard. That gets creepy and all that kind of stuff. And we all know the story. The last time I went and talked to somebody at the gym, that person has yet to ever come back to the gym. <laughs> never seen that guy again. I'm just, I'm telling you, I have never seen that guy again. And, but I'm like, man, like I'm really impressed what these guys are doing. Because most people that work out over there at the Planet Fitness where I work out, you know, we're just like average. You know, we're just like there. It's like a hobby or something. But these guys, you could tell they were they were serious. They're wearing the same shirt, can't recognize the design. No big deal. I, I finish up my workout and I'm, I'm walking out and I see this band. And that's the design of, of, of the shirt. Of course, you know, when it's sweaty and you know they're doing stuff, it's kind of hard to make this out. So the interesting thing is, Amanda and I, the night before, started talking about gas. Plumbers, people in the area who are gas plumbers, and she asked me somebody something specific about a gas plumber and everything. And, and so I'm like, hey, here's my opportunity. I'm gonna actually go back in since those two guys are plumbers because I've connected the dots, and I'm gonna ask them about gas plumbing because in my mind, there's some, somebody has talked to me about, hey, do you know any gas plumbers? And so I'm gonna ask them. So I go back in, and uh, I wait till they're kind of between sets. And everything, and I, I interrupt. And, and here's the conversation, almost word for word. Hey, excuse me, sirs. Uh, I I see the logo on your shirt matches the logo on that Watley plumbing van outside. Uh, I, do you guys, by any chance, install gas lines? Roger, the the guy, the first guy that spoke up, says, "I know how to do it, and I can do it, but I'm not licensed." And I'm working on getting my license, uh, but if you want somebody that is licensed in this, hey, I know a few guys who I can recommend you to. I said, oh, hey, that would be great. Uh, I'm just going to take a picture of your band, and, and I'm going to pass the number along to whoever it is Amanda and I were talking about. What's your name? That's Roger said this to me. What's your name? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Michael. Uh, he goes, well, Michael. I'm Roger, and this is this is Caleb. Caleb's the strong one, by the way. He's the one that's like seriously pushing up uh, a, a lot of weight. 
Um, and I even told him, I said, hey, I'm, I'm impressed with what you're squatting over there. I was like, this is going to take that the wrong way. He goes, he, goes, he goes, thanks. Are you a follower of Jesus? And, and, and it was one of those, like, we're in the middle of this conversation. And, and, and I, was, I was taken back, right? And, and I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. And what about, what about you two? Oh, oh, yes, sir. Uh, God rescued me, and I believe that, that I am to be Matthew 5.16. And, and you all know what Matthew 5.16 is, right? It's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about in the same way that your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God. And that's actually on the band. If you look and see the phone number, and then the black line right below it is Matthew 5.16, and, and that's, that's, that's there uh, on, their, on their shirts and everything. And I said, cool. So then we've been engaged in conversation. Just about how God has redeemed us, um, our past. And I'm not gonna get into I'm not gonna get into the kind of people that Roger and Caleb were in their past. And you know, I don't even know what kind of plumbers they are. You y'all some they you may know them, they live in Hartsville, they're from Hartsville, they grew up in Hartsville. Um, I, I I don't know anything other than the, the moment that we're sharing right here. And so before I left, I said, can I ask you guys one more question? What compelled you to ask me, a complete stranger, if I am a follower of Jesus? He goes, I could not go the rest of the day knowing that I talked to someone and I did not ask them about their faith. And I sat heavy with me talking about Jesus being and living on mission. We've said this all, all this series. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Right? Like that's, that's been up there. You've seen this. You've, you've heard this. And that's what we're talking about. We're looking at the very habits of Jesus and how he lived. And so we started this off with, you know, Jesus lived in relationship with other people. And he lived with these people daily for the sole purpose of training them up to release them, as we will see in just a few minutes. Right? But that was part of his lifestyle, was to live with people. And it wasn't family. It wasn't those closest to him. He called people who are just a bunch of swell guys to come and live and walk daily with him. And then we talk about Jesus living a simple life. You know, it's the life that is free from clutter. It's the life that is free from consumerism. Because here's the thing, the more stuff we have, the more pressure we're going to feel to be devoted to our stuff. And it's going to distract us. It's going to take us away from, from God's purpose for our life. And, and then we talk about Jesus having this unhurried life, right? Like He did not book and overbook the schedule. It was hey, I'm going to live my life day to day. We're not going to fill it up with extracurricular activities. We're not going to fill it up with things that are going to take us away from fulfilling the will of God. And then last week we talked about that Jesus lived in God's presence as he valued alone time with God. He, 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 he lived in his presence and the Sabbath is part of this. And here's the thing about this lifestyle that we're looking at for Jesus. The lifestyle that Jesus lived allowed Jesus to carry out the will of God for his life. 
Let me say that again. The lifestyle that Jesus lived allowed Jesus to carry out the will of God for his life. Jesus' life was focused on one purpose, and that is fulfilling God's will for his life. That was it. And Jesus makes it very clear. I'm going to read some scripture passages to you. These are not going to come up on the screen. But just, just listen to these. This is found, uh, all of these came from John, but Matthew and Luke all have examples. Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. The will of God. This is Jesus. Why am I here? I'm here to do the will of God. And I'm here I received nourishment from finishing his work. Later in John, he says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Later on in John, he says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me. Not to do my own. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me. But I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up. And so Jesus lived this lifestyle. It, it was not cluttered with things. It, it was not uh, overburdened with, with, a, with a schedule. He lived in God's presence. He, he lived this life so that he can live out the will of God. That, that, that's it. I am here to carry out the will of my Father in heaven. It's not my will. It's not what I want to do. Fleshly, earthly Jesus at the time, it is the will of my Father who sent me. So what's God's will for Jesus? I mean, he revealed, revealed that to us. But instead of hearing it from me, let's hear it directly from Jesus. If you have your Bibles, this is uh, where we're going to be, Luke 19. This is just one of many passages that, that Jesus tells us why he's here. Right? To carry out the will of my Father. But what specifically is that will? Luke 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's a great story. <clears throat> Jesus' 
reputation that's going before him. And there's this tax collector, Zacchaeus. Now, I love the line. I, I want to I see what this man is all about. Right? Like, I, I, there's Jesus and this crowd is following him. And I can't, I can't even lay eyes on him because, because I'm, I'm so short. And so I'm going to make the effort to run ahead of him. I'm going to climb up into a tree. And it just so happens that it's the direction that Jesus is going. Jesus knows it. Zacchaeus, come on, he knows him by name. Zacchaeus, apparently he had a reputation too. Come on down, for I'm going to stay in your house. And, and, and here's what Zacchaeus, he received him joyfully. I wonder, just wonder, just about my own household, how about yours? If Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today, would you receive him joyfully? Oh no, I, got, I mean, there's like clothes still out on the couch and the dishes are haven't been done. And, you know, and Jackie's like, I don't care about any of that stuff. Come on into my house. He received him joyfully. And Jesus reveals. He reveals to us why he's here. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You ever lost anything? Have you ever lost anything of value? Most of us have. What do we do? We go to great lengths to, to find it. We seek it out. I was talking with Ethan at the detail shop the other day. He was talking about this brand new truck came in. And then one of the guys that used to work there, this was early in 2021, one of the guys that used to work there lost a key fob for this, you know, platinum edition, F-250, whatever. And, and, and like, he's like, we lost the key fob. And it's $400 to replace the key fob. And so the guy had to bring the other key fob down so that we can actually move the truck. We searched high and low. We tore this place apart. We dug in the trash cans. We dug in the dumpster. We we spent the rest of the day looking for this key fob and we never found it. And, and, and I've been there before where I've lost things and you've been there before where it's something of importance. You turn the place upside down. You, you dedicate nothing but your time to searching for that which is lost. That's why Jesus came. To seek and save the lost. He didn't stand back and say, hey, here I am. If you hear my voice, come to me. That's certainly part of the equation, and he did do that, but that was not his efforts. His efforts were, I'm going to travel. I'm going to go. I'm going to go places that are uncomfortable for some of you, and I'm going to seek out people who do not have a relationship. He was seek and save the lost. Hey, don't forget about the conversation. This is in John chapter 3. This is not coming up here. But there's the clandestine meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's, he, he's a bigwig in Jerusalem. And they're building this case against Jesus. Guy's working on the Sabbath. That guy claims to be, to be God. We should crucify him. We should get rid of him. And Nicodemus is like one of these chief Pharisees. And he, he's, he's like, man, huh. 
I'm interested in this Jesus fellow. So he seeks Jesus out at night. And Jesus and Nicodemus have this conversation under the cover of, of night. And in John chapter 3, Jesus says, After dark one evening, he came to speak with him. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. <clears throat> Here's what Nicodemus was asking, which saved Why are you really here? I mean, like, you, you're this guy, you're different. Why are you really here? And Jesus goes on to tell him, hey, you must be born again. You must be born of water and spirit. And this blows Nicodemus' mind. Like, how am I supposed to, how am I? I'm a grown man. I'm supposed to enter back into my mama's womb and come back out again. And she's like, man, you, you, you miss it. But this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus like, I'm here to carry out the will of my Father. What's the will of my Father? To seek and to save the lost. To save the world. Then we have Matthew 20. Here's another example where the mother of James and John, they come to Jesus on, on, on James and John's behalf. The mother comes and she says to Jesus, hey, you know, I'm not sure exactly how this thing's going to go down, but at the proper time, when you are seated on your throne, hey, can my two boys sit to your right and left? You know, I don't have a favorite. Whichever, you, whoever you want to put on the right, put on the right. Whoever you, can my two boys sit to your right and to your left? And James and John are the ones, just by the way, they're the ones that sent Mama. Right? It, it wasn't Mama being Mama. It was Jesus keeps talking about this thing where he's going to die and then he's going to come back um, and he, he's talked about his throne. Okay, ask, ask him for us if we can sit on his right or his left. The other disciples, man, they got all ticked off and mad and they're like, I can't believe, I can't believe this. You guys think you're better than us? And this is how Jesus replies. Matthew 20. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for me. Hopefully, you get the point. God's will for Jesus was to come to earth and to seek out those who do not have a relationship with him and to save them. And that's it. That, that is the why Jesus came. And nothing else mattered. And here's the crazy thing. It was the lifestyle of Jesus that allowed him to carry out the will of God. Jesus had a mission from his Father, and he came and he lived this mission out. His life was not cluttered 
with excuses. His life was not cluttered with junk that took up time. His calendar was not full of activities that distracted him from what was the most important thing. The lifestyle he lived allowed him, Jesus, to live on mission. The main thing was the main thing because there weren't a lot of other things to distract Jesus. And where are we as a church? Where are you personally? Because we could ask the question, was Jesus only concerned about the people that he encountered during his 33, 33 years on earth? Are those the only people that he was really concerned about? And you and I know it. The answer is no. He did what he did then because he cared about you and I now. His plan, church, for his mission to be carried out was that he was going to use other people. He was going to use 12 highly sophisticated men. Men who were well-spoken, men with very few flaws, men who were pillars of the community, men who were well-respected by their peers, right? I mean, he's getting the cream of the crop to carry out his mission. We know that's not true. We know that Jesus used people, and we know that Jesus used 12 men. They were failures within their own Jewish heritage. They, they were failures within their own religious sect. They didn't even make the cut as 12-year-olds. Okay? They, they didn't even get selected by, you know, a Pharisee to move on. They were sent to do the, the, the work of, of mom and dad, to, to, to carry on the, the, the business. They were rejects within their church. And that's who Jesus chose. Ordinary people. And he invited them into a relationship. He invited them into, come and follow me. Come and learn from me how to live. So for three years, these 12 people followed Jesus. And Jesus put up with their immaturity. He taught them how to love. He showed them patience. He showed them what compassion was. He showed them what boldness was. He showed them all of these things. Because the plan was, I, Jesus, came to earth to seek and to save the lost. And, and my message is going to be not just for this generation, but for generations to come. And you know how I'm going to get my message to the next generation, to the ends of the earth? I'm going to use you. And in John chapter 17, Jesus hours from the cross. He prays. And there's this line in the prayer. Father, I glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you've given me to do. You can break that down however you want. He's not talking about what's coming in 72 hours or in 12 hours. He is talking about, this is past tense, 100%. 
I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Came down here to earth. Recruited some guys. Told a whole bunch of people about who you are and why I'm here. And now, we're about to release them to carry this message into the world. And 72 hours after that prayer, 72 hours after the atonement for sin takes place, the disciples are scared. Huddled up in a room somewhere. Others are around. And Jesus just kind of does his Jesus thing. He's there. In John chapter 20, this happens. On the day, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Did you get that? Jesus came and he said, I'm going to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is to seek and save the lost. The will of the Father is to, to recruit people who can carry my mission on. Jesus lived on this mission. And now, you know what he's saying to the, the disciples in the room? Because Jesus isn't there anymore. As the Father sent me to do this, guess what? Now I am sending you to go do the same thing. So what did I do? I lived my life with the purpose of seeking and saving the lost. I lived my life on mission of, of I'm going to train up people to release them to carry on my legacy. Now, not Michael's legacy, but the legacy of Jesus. Not Peter's legacy or Matthew's legacy, James, John, not their legacy, but I'm, I'm training you up and I'm releasing you to carry on my legacy. And so as the Father sent me, now I am sending you. Don't you love a leader who says, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Hmm? I'm going to set the example. Don't you, don't you love that in, in a leader? Got in trouble one time. Got in trouble one time because I told somebody to practice what they preached. You know, so it didn't come, didn't come across well when you're saying that to an adult. You know. yeah. Jesus did it. He lived out the very thing that he preached and then he he released people to do the same thing. So how do we do this? I mean, like, great, what, what do we do? We, we, we live in a culture where sharing our faith is, is awkward. It, it, it's, it's uncomfortable. I, I wish I could be like Caleb with the, the boldness of, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? Just like that right there. Like, like, I mean, maybe if you squat 400-something pounds, you have that boldness. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly a long way from that. 
And, it, and, and so we, not you, Caleb, you, you missed it. He's about, you, you missed the story. So what, 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 what do we do? I mean, you can argue with Scripture all you want. You're not arguing with me, because there, there's only one teacher in the room, and that's the Holy Spirit. And, and we have the authority of God's Word that says that Jesus lived on mission. He came to seek and save the lost, and then he sent the disciples to do the same thing. And I don't believe in your heart of hearts that that was only assigned to the disciples and not us. So what, what, what do we do? We live in a culture where this is tough. It's awkward. We, we, it's been in, ingrained in us growing up in, in, in the churches that, that we've been a part of that, that we're to be attractional and people are just to come here. And then when they come through the doors, we welcome them and we embrace them and we're glad you're here and we hope you come back. Going out and having gospel conversations with people, man, it, it, it's tough. And so, and so we, we've been wrestling with this and we've been talking about this. Caleb and I actually took, uh, um, and we, we participated in a, a workshop, if you will, that was over seven weeks long. And, and it was how to, how to do this very thing. And, and so here's, here's what we are doing as, as a church. We've been talking with Jessica and we brought her on to uh, be our evangelism ministry uh, team leader. And, and it's Jessica, this, there's some, this, we're, this is a weakness. It's a weakness of mine. Confess that. It, 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 it's, it's something that I'm not comfortable with. We, we need to be better trained at this. And so we've, we've thought through some of these workshops. I'm like, man, I, just, I don't know. Are people going to participate in a seven-week workshop? Or blah, blah, blah. And I doubt it. So here's what we're doing. We're doing a couple things coming up. October 22nd. I know you're not going to be able to read this. We are having... A, an evangelism training. We're, we're having um, a training here. It's a Saturday. Uh, it's before any football games kick off. Um, and it's having gospel conversations. Uh, the man who's going to come do the training is Dr. Jared Looney. He uh, is the director of Global City Mission, which is out of Florida. Uh, one of his guys, Chris Marsden, uh, has actually been to our church. I'll, you'll see all the details. Don't worry about it. we got eight weeks before this happens, okay? Um, but it's Saturday, October 22nd. We are charging $20. We've invited Piney Grove Christian Church uh, down in Falkland. We've invited Huntsville Christian Church to come and participate with this. And uh, he's going to come and he's going to do a three-hour training where we interact with each other. And we practice having gospel conversations. He's authored a couple of books. Uh, he's authored a textbook that is used in a lot of restoration movement Colleges, okay. Uh, it's actually one of them is Biola, which is out in California, and that's a very prestigious Church of Christ school, okay. Um, and so we're bringing him in uh, on October twenty second. And so information will go out. We want you to register for this, uh, sign up October 9th, and of course we're twenty dollars is what we're charging per person, thirty dollars per married couple. All right, and I'll, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but if you bring a child, they get to come free. So, we're taking this serious. We believe that we're to live on mission. And that mission is that we need to be going out and seeking and saving the lost. And here's the thing. We live in a world where everybody has a church here in the deep south, especially in 
Morgan County where there's 200 and some odd churches. I tell people that from other parts of the world, they're like, your county has 200 and something? I'm like, yeah. yeah. You, 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 every, everybody, your brother, everybody you know has, has a church background, most likely. Very few people. But that does not mean that they have a solid relationship with the Lord. That doesn't mean that they're all in church living a surrendered life to Jesus. So how do we have gospel conversations? Dr. Jerry Lynn's going to come with that. Then the following week, we're going to do a church-wide event. Uh, we're going to take advantage of Halloween. And uh, Halloween is on Monday, October 31st. On October 30th, Sunday night, we're asking our life groups not to meet. And we're going to have just a, a an evangelism deal. And we need all of you to participate. Because it's not just going to be we decorate some trunks and we set them up out here. Uh, we've already contacted the school. We're going to be able to advertise and send stuff home with the kids. And we've done this before. In our early years of Lightbridge, hey, we, we spent thousands of dollars every year on this kind of stuff. We, we, we've, we've attracted crowds to our property before. Well, what's going to be different this time? Hopefully some intentionality. Hopefully the week before, we're going to learn how to have gospel conversations. And when somebody comes up to our trunk wanting some candy, we're going to be able to feel a little more comfortable with engaging them in conversation. And the conversation isn't going to be about, hey, will you come to church on Sunday? That's great. That's what we eventually want. The conversation is, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Because that's what's really important. And we need everybody. We, 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 need, we need people that are, can set up out here and just be greeters and direct traffic and because and, we're going to set up back here and we're asking our life groups to work together on some things. And I'm not getting into all the details because Jessica will, I'll screw it up. Jessica will be mad at me. And, and so, but, but we need as many people as possible to participate in this. And we need to start praying about it. We need to start praying right now that, that God will bless us with good weather. All right? And, and that God will send people. And here's the thing, we, I mean, we've, in the past, we've always been able to draw crowds on these things when we advertise in the community. But what about people you know, too? <coughs> Are you willing to invite people to this event? So these are two things that we can do immediately in the next couple of months, I mean, about living on mission. Some steps that kind of get us moving in the right direction of living out the very life, the purpose that Jesus lived out. Nobody expects all of you just to quit what you're doing and start just standing on the preach corner on the corner preaching Jesus. We've got lives to live. But when you commit to living on mission for Jesus within the life that you have, and I, I say it here all the time. I mean, this is, this is often. Being a follower of Jesus is living your life the way Jesus would live your life if he were you. How, how would Jesus interact with the people around you at work that you pass by, that you, you come into contact with? Maybe it's only for a couple of moments. Maybe you see the same people time and time and time again. How would Jesus interact with those people? So 
storici clinica zaza. Church, I'm going to tell you right now, um, working towards next year's calendar, um, sermon calendar and, and budget, uh, the way it normally works is I, I, I start in May opening up a calendar and I start jotting down ideas and um, I got a notebook that I, I pray about and just things come to me and I write it down and then August gets here I start formulating some of those thoughts and I start planning the next year out and then then we bring you know Caleb in and 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 then I bring the leadership team in and we start planning out the the schedule and everything and, and I'm telling you right now the first part of next year January and February and into March, it, it, it's going to be heavy on, on evangelism. And this is going to be a lot the, the first eight, nine weeks of, of, of what it's like for me to have gospel conversations with people. What it's like to not be like Jonah. That's why you read Jonah. We're going to be preaching through the book of Jonah. All right? God has got the kingdoms divided. He sees the work of people and he sees what they're doing. And I don't want to say he's gross frustrated with them. People are distracted and they're not giving their full-on devotion to him. In the Isaiah, it actually says the Lord, which actually refers to Jesus, is sitting on the throne. And he sees the people drifting away. And there's this, there, there's this dialogue that, that, that we're going to teach on. And Jesus is, is shouting. Who can I send as my messenger? Who's going to go to the people for me? And, and that's like, this vision that Isaiah is having. And Isaiah's like, man, there's people all around. And no one is stepping up. No one is saying anything. And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord. I will go. And Isaiah goes on to be this incredible prophet with a message about the redeeming work of Jesus to come. And lives were changed. And this is before the cross. This is before Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus is sitting on a throne. And Isaiah's like, man, I'm impressed with the throne that Jesus is sitting on. I'm unworthy to, 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 to be the messenger. And Jesus is like, oh, we'll fix that. And he sends down this angel. And it's, it's like the, <laughs> the Thunderbirds, man. I mean, they just come down and these, these angels with six wings and all this kind of stuff. And they touch his lips with a with koi purifying. Send him on to, to be the messenger of God. And lives are changed because this man was willing to promote and to push Jesus. Fast forward a few hundred years. Jesus comes on the scene. 
he's here. He says, I'm the end all be all sacrifice for everybody. He dies for your sins. He dies for your sins and your sins and my sins. He died for those sins. And some women, three days later, go to dress the body and prepare it in the grave. Jesus sitting there. He tells those ladies, go, go tell the go tell the guys that I'm alive. Peter and John they come running down, they see the empty tomb, they're all over the place. And then he gathers all of them up on a mountainside. He tells them, go into the world and tell about me. I've given this task to all of you. Don't just tell them to make disciples. I mean, to make disciples and make disciples. That's what he's telling them to do. So they go do the task that Jesus has given. They live on mission. And lives are changed. People are coming to the Lord. And Paul writes this to a very small congregation. Almost done, I promise. The church at Corinth was most likely a house church. It was a few people. It was not, it was not me. But his message to each and every one of them was, you are a minister. And you are a minister. And you are a minister. And you are a minister. We are all ministers. You all have that task, church at Corinth. You, you all have this responsibility of being ministered in my name. What are we ministers? We're ministers of reconciliation, of restoring broken relationships between God and people. And lives were changed because the church at Corinth did that very thing. And so as we now pause this morning to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the very cross, as you take these emblems, I, I ask you to think through that same challenge. Will you be the one? Will you go into the world and tell others about Jesus as you proclaim his sacrifice for your life? So, Father, we thank you so much for sending your son to the earth. Thank you for your love that you have for us. Father, I pray that right now that, that we will walk out of here with open eyes that will be reminded that we too are to have this same mission. We, we are to be the megaphone of Jesus and we, we, we hold the very emblems in our hands right now the love that you have for us. Because we believe We, we believe that Jesus came through the sacrifice, the atonement for all people. We remember that sacrifice every week. God, 
God, there's a world out there. There's a world right now that will have nothing to do with you. May we make the same efforts that Jesus made to seek the lost. We love you, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. So church, let's take this bread that represents the body. Now let's take the juice that represents his blood that washes away our sins.